Good morning, Veritas. We want to welcome you to Veritas Church. And I'm Mark, one of the pastors here. We've got a tub up on stage, which means we've got baptisms here uh, in a little bit, which is such a great morning. Uh, we are studying through three chapters of Romans, Romans 6, 7, 8, and uh, we're in Romans 8 if you want to open there. But as we start, one of the most overused and trite sayings of the past two decades has to be this saying, life is a journey, right? Life is a journey. Life is a journey, not a destination. We've all heard it. But doesn't that just make you feel so much better when someone says that to you? You're going through a really hard time. You know, a lot of you, so many new people are flooding into to town and and it's like, you're like, doesn't that just make you feel better? Like, hey, don't worry about it. Yeah, sure, you're starting a new school, you know, moving into a new uh, dorm or apartment or house or whatever. But hey, don't worry. Life's a journey, right? Oh, the places you will go. And, and that just like makes you feel better, right? Well, what if I don't like journeys? What if I like home? What if I like comfort? What if I don't like journeys? I like a movie and junk food, right? What if, what if I don't want a journey? Well, like it or not, here's the thing. We're studying Romans 6, and, or Romans 8, 8 this morning, and here's what Paul says in Romans 8, 4. He says, we do not walk. This is journey language here. He's gonna use the journey metaphor. We don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This journey metaphor, it's, it's all over the Bible, and especially as we talk about this concept this morning of walking in the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, it's all over the Bible, right? 29 times in Proverbs, it talks about staying on this path, this path, this path of righteousness. It talks about the people of God, the great men and women of God in the Bible. They walked with God. They journeyed with God. So let me reiterate maybe an already tired metaphor. You are on a journey, and here's kind of the big idea this morning, is that life is all about how you walk on the journey. I want us to see this in Romans 8. Let's look at the first four verses of Romans 8. Paul says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Let's, let's stop there. So, no condemnation, he starts off, verse one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Those are some of the best words in the whole Bible. Romans 8.1, it's said that if the Bible is a wedding ring, Romans is like the diamond in the ring, and Romans 8 is like the sparkle in that diamond. This chapter that we're going to study over the next few weeks is amazing, and it's beautiful, and it begins with those words, there's no condemnation. The first thing we need to know about how to walk 
on this journey is, number one, we walk by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We walk by faith in what? What's our faith in? What's our trust in? Our trust is in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Here's what we mean by that. You could say that the if you had to summarize the entire book of Romans in three words, what would they be? I grew up in our, our pastor, um, Bob Thune in Omaha. He talked about this when he was preaching through Romans. Every single week, he would start by having us as a, as a, a congregation repeat the theme of Romans. In Romans, the theme of Romans is the righteousness of God. It's the righteousness of God. It's how do we as humanity become good again? How do we get back what was lost in the Garden of Eden? Well, that's what the book of Romans is all about. And here he begins by saying there's no condemnation. See, we had a problem before Christ. We had a condemnation problem. If you don't know Jesus, you have no bigger problems in your life right now than the fact that someday you're going to stand before God and have to give an account to him. Now, that's a condemnation problem because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So how did God deal with our sin problem, our condemnation problem? How did God solve that problem? Well, of course, he hands us a bunch of rules and says, follow the rules. No, that's not how he does it. He does it, what does he say here? Verse three, how did he condemn sin in the flesh, our sin? By, look at verse three, the second part, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. Jesus Christ absorbed our punishment in his body and in exchange, he's like, hey, I wanna make a trade. You give me all your sin, and I will give you all my righteousness. That's not fair. Exactly. That's why we call it grace. Grace is a gift. It's an unearned gift. It's something we didn't do. This this great exchange of my sin. Sorry, I'm spitting all over front row. Sorry. Uh, I'm exchanging my sin for God's righteousness. All right, that's what Paul means when he says in verse four, in order that the law's requirement would be fully met in us. You are gonna stand, if you are in Christ, you're gonna stand before God someday and he's gonna say, well done. You perfectly obeyed all my commands. And you're gonna say, uh... No, I didn't. And if that's your response and you're a Christian, he's going to say, so are you calling me a liar? Because I gave you my righteousness, like well done. And you're going to say, oh, wow, yeah, totally. It was a gift, right? So when we as Christians, some of us live with this sense of always falling short. Any of you guys struggle with that? You roll out of bed in the morning, you're like, I failed. I'm a failure. Nobody likes me. I'm no good. You're walking around. You might have, have like some serious guilt from your past. You may be walking around with that scarlet letter that Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote about, right? Just like this, 
I've got this sin in my life, this really bad thing that I do, and I feel like it defines me. I feel like I'm always falling short. I feel guilty. Well, if you live like that as a Christian, that's like saying to Jesus, yeah, that was nice of you to die on the cross, but actually that wasn't enough. The cross was not enough. The sin offering, it wasn't enough. And in a way, when you live in condemnation as a Christian, you're calling God a liar. Because of what Romans says, there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ and the righteous requirements of the law are fully met in us. That is a great summary of what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus. But you'll notice something in verse 4. I actually stopped halfway through what's, where it says, in order, verse 4, in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. All right. I was looking back on a previous sermon that I preached probably 10 years ago in Veritas. I preached this very text, Romans 8. And I was reading through my notes. And I want to apologize to all of you who are there for that sermon. Because I think, I think that I kind of missed the point. Because I stopped after that point that I just made. I stopped after Jesus came to free you from guilt. But one of the reasons you need to bring your Bible to church and read it yourself is because we make mistakes. And we don't want you to just believe what we say. And sometimes what we're saying is true, but we might even leave things out or whatever. We have 35 minutes. We can't cover it all. But sometimes we're just uh, young preachers and we just miss the point of the text. But We often, this is a huge mistake that a lot of people make when they hear this. They stop there and they forget to read the second half of verse four and they turn Christianity into just a Jesus came to help me not feel guilty anymore. We reduce the gospel to Jesus doesn't want me to feel bad about my sin anymore. We reduce the gospel down to the minimal entrance requirements of heaven. How do I just get into the pearly gates? I just check the box, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I'm good. If we stop there, we will miss the entire point of Romans 8. Because what does he say? The righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled in us. Who? Do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This bigger point here that he starts in verse 3. What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. What did God do? God sent Jesus. Yes, good, but that's not all. He says, so that we will walk according to the spirit. This is what Romans 8 is about. 20 times, over 20 times in Romans 8 alone, he refers to the Holy Spirit. 
The point is Roman, of Romans 8 is not just to show you how to live a forgiven life, but how to live a victorious life. Because if Jesus just forgives you, you come to church, get your conscience cleared and forgiven, and you walk out, and there's still no hope of actual transformation in your life, then does the gospel really do you any good? Life is all about how you walk on the journey. Yes, of course, you need point number one about the finished work, but you have to have point number two. Walk by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. The context and tension of Romans 8 is that the law is good. This has been the discussion through Romans to this point. The law is good, but there's something the law could not do. There's something the commands of God, the beautiful commands, could not do. And that's what Paul says in in verse 3 when he says, the law was weakened by the flesh. It's that your flesh could not overcome sin. In fact, when the law said, love people. The law was good. We should love people, right? But there's something that that command cannot do. That command cannot help you love people. In fact, the more you try to obey that law, the more you will realize how much you fail to obey it. So when I think about the Bible saying, love the aliens and strangers among you in Leviticus, the more I meditate on that command, the more I see my own failure to live up to that command. And this is what Paul's wrestling with. This was last week in Romans 7. Cole talked about coveting, like All it did was produced more covetousness in me. Okay, so I want to use an illustration, and and this is gonna this is gonna take a minute to to develop this. Okay, so so if you're not like if you're tuning out right now, this is the time to like dial back in. All right, because you need to you need to get this. So in life, it's like you're embarking on a coast to coast journey. And when I say coast to coast, I don't, we're starting in New York, and I don't just mean you're going from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific. I mean coast to coast, like we're going to go all the way around the world, and we're going to end up back in New York. That's what life is like as a journey. So I have good news and bad news for your journey. You ready for the journey? We start in New York, and we're going to go around the world. We're going to go on a journey, coast to coast. That's your life. Your life is a journey. Now, here's the good news and bad news. Good news. We are not in Bible times anymore, so you don't have to walk. You know, it says walk in the Spirit. We don't have to do that anymore. We don't walk anywhere. We drive. So we're going to drive in the Spirit. Now, here's the thing. Um, good news, you, you get a car. What car would you choose? Now, think, I just think long and hard about this because you're going to have to go through you're not just, you know, Pennsylvania and all that, some, some hills. Like, you're going to have to go through the Rockies. 
Eventually, you're going to have to cross the ocean. You're going to have to uh, get through the Sahara Desert of Africa. You're going to have to get through the Amazon jungle. I don't know how that's, we're going all weird, you know, it's a weird route, I know. But, uh, yeah, we got to hit South America and go up, you know, through the Dardian jungle of Panama. And we're going to somehow make our way back to New York. And it's a crazy journey. But, but think of all the places your car is going to have to go. What vehicle will you choose if you could choose anything? Well, part of the bad news is that it doesn't matter because you don't get to choose. The car for your journey is given to you. And that car that's given to you is the worst car that's ever been made in the history of the world. <laughs> and I'm not even exaggerating because this is it. Does anyone know what that is? Some of you were alive in the 80s to remember this beauty. This car, the Yugo, it's the cheapest new car in, hist- in the history of the U.S. Starting price tag was $3,990 for this thing. A 1987 Consumer Reports review concluded that buyers would be, quote, better off buying a good used car than a new Yugo. And they also stated that, quote, it barely qualified as a car. (laughs) Car and Driver magazine reviewed the car, calling it, quote, the disposable car by Bic, and noted, listen to this, and noted that its transmission performance was like trying to shift a baseball bat stuck inside a barrel full of coconuts. Like, that's what it's like trying to shift this thing. The Yugo was voted Car Talk's worst car of the millennium. It's like the Model T was better than this thing. Listen, life is a journey, and you are driving a Yugo. The Yugo is your body. That's your flesh, that. Here's the thing about the Yugo. As you start off on your journey, you're like, all right, right, we can work with this. You start off on your journey, just tooling around in this, this thing. You start headed west. The thing is, your Yugo is determined to make the entire trip. You are driving that Yugo And you are determined. But as you start off, something becomes obvious. On your first steep hill, the car slows down to like 25 miles an hour. And you're downshifting, trying to get the bat and the coconuts, trying to get down to third gear, second gear, first gear. And and you're pushing on the gas as hard as you can. And you see the red flashing cherry tops behind you. Cop pulls you over. And he says, sir, did you not see the speed limit sign? And you said, oh, I'm good. I'm only going 25. He's like, oh, oh, no, there's two signs there. The minimum is 45. And you're like, oh, okay, okay, got it. And he's like, hey, um, I see you have a bumper sticker on your car. It says Christians are not perfect, just forgiven. So I'm going to forgive you this time. Uh, so you're off the hook because, you know, of the bumper sticker and all that. So, so you get on your way and you're like, okay, okay, I'm going to try harder. And you're kind of nervous because we haven't even hit the Rockies yet. Um, but anyway, so we, we hit some downhills and we're, we're going pretty good. Like we're 60 miles an hour downhills is great. 
we're moving along and the Yugo determine. And so next hill, okay, we see it, it's big. Law says 45, 45, 45. So we press on that gas and we're going 25, 20, 15. The hill gets steeper, 10, five. And we are determined and we're pressing harder. We're doing all we can. And there it comes again. The flashing cherries, right? On this cop pulls us over again. We're like, 45, 45, 45. The Yugo's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And again, we pulled over. The gospel does say forgiven. But the tension of Romans 7, last week's sermon is, who will rescue me from this car? that I'm driving in my inner person. I delight in God's like, I want to keep the law, but I can't do it. How do we solve the you go problem, which is this skin and bone, this flesh. I can't keep the law, but I want to. And the more I press on the gas and try to get this thing to go and make this journey, I can't do it. I'm forgiven, but I'm still in a Yugo. And Romans 8 says, ah, here's the solution to the Yugo problem. Jesus Christ forgives you of your sin, no condemnation, righteous requirements fully met, but something else happens. He comes inside your life. He comes into your life. The very presence of God indwells the life of a Christian. This Yugo is now supernaturally charged with power and the very presence of God through the Holy Spirit in you. And this is what Paul means and what he wants to know, wants us to know about how we live the Christian life, not according to the flesh, not by pressing down harder on the gas, but by relying on this new magical power that resides in us. In Ephesians 1, Paul says, I pray that God will, the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the in the saints and, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him in the heavenly realms. What Paul's saying is, Ephesians, I want you to understand that the resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, lives inside you. That's how you walk on the journey is through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why in Galatians 5, it says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Drive in the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Spirit. Yes, you still drive a Yugo, but the new engine has no limits to what it can do. It's beautiful. No carbon emissions, this power in you. This thing can go 300 miles an hour if it needs to. 
with this new engine with Christ in you, all of a sudden you start pressing on the gas and you start like going super fast, right? This car's shaking and you're going through the mountains, you're going off-roading, you're going anywhere like it's not overheating, it never runs out of gas. It's like, this thing is awesome. You can't wait to get to the Autobahn in Germany. You can drive through any conditions on earth. There's nothing this car cannot do because of the power that resides in the car. This is a picture of Romans 7 and 8. So the question I have is, so what does it look like to walk in the Spirit? Practically, what what does that look like? Now, look at verse, we're going to read 5 through 10. He says, for those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it's unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Now, what's interesting here is that Paul shows us what walking in the power of the Spirit looks like by contrasting life in the flesh versus life in the Spirit. And the main way, and so let's, let's look at this. Let's look at this contrast. Verse 7, he says, so we've got a contrast here. There was a way you lived before Christ, way you live now. The mindset of the flesh, number one, it's hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Here's the mindset of the flesh. The mindset of the flesh says, my kingdom, my kingdom. It's a mindset of rebellion, autonomy. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm my own person. I trust myself. I do what I want. And that's how I live my life. That's what it looks like to live in the flesh. But the mindset of the spirit is different. It submits to God's law. So the mindset of the spirit says, not my kingdom, but thy kingdom come. Your kingdom And it's a mindset of submission. It's a mindset of, I'm no longer Lord and King of my life. I belong to another. So the mindset of the Spirit, some of you are like, what does that mean practically? Well, how about this? How about starting your day, rolling out of your bed and onto your knees? with your hands out and just saying, your kingdom come. Take these hands, Lord. This is Romans 12. It's coming up. I I offer you my body as a living sacrifice. Jesus, today, my eyes, let them see what you see. My ears, what what I hear, the podcasts, the stuff I put into my ears, like, Help me to honor you and what I, what I hear, what I listen to. 
my feet, where I go, where I walk. Help me to have to walk to places of moral compromise and help me to, like, my feet are yours, like, where I go. I want to be in the Spirit. Second thing, Romans 9, and and this is where I'm going to just kind of go off of Romans 8 just a little bit and see in Romans 9, Paul's wrestling with how did the Jewish people miss the point of all this? And he says, well, they pursued it as if it were by works, not by faith. And here's the thing you have to know. Sometimes religion is the greatest expression of rebellion against God. Sometimes the most rebellious, evil people on planet Earth are religious people because they are refusing to submit to God by establishing their own righteousness. I think that the way this happens in our culture is, I don't think most people in our culture are consumed with trying to please God, but I do think people in our culture have the mindset of the flesh of, I don't need God's approval, but I need your approval. Mindset of the flesh, I need your approval to be righteous. That's a, a form of works. I need you to know that I'm a good person. I need you to see my social media and see that I'm pro-life so that you know that I'm righteous. I need you to know that I support Ukraine and drive an electric car. I need you to know these things about me. I need you to know that I serve at a food pantry on Saturday nights. I don't, but some of you do. Uh, You need to know this about me because I need your approval. I need you to affirm me and approve me. And so, so I seek that, but the gospel frees us from that insanity. The mindset of the Spirit says, I, I don't need your approval because I have God's approval. That's faith. I, I have God's approval. Like I have nothing to prove to anyone. I know who I am. And that frees me now to love and serve people because I'm not serving them for what I can get back. I'm just, I'm free to suffer. Like I'm no longer a victim of circumstances. Like no, I, I can suffer well because I know who I am. That's walking in the spirit. That's the mindset of the spirit. Living out of the approval of God. Romans 1, Paul says, for although they knew God, this is the third one, by way of application, he says, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. The mindset of the flesh is, it's all me. It's all me. That's pride. It's interesting that Paul says one of the characteristics of unbelievers is a lack of thankfulness. I remember I was... uh, talking to my friend that I play ball with, and I, he's, he doesn't believe in God or whatever. And I said, hey, hey, man, when you, it was like around Thanksgiving time, I'm like, when you're around the Thanksgiving table, like, and you're thankful, like, who do you thank when you're thankful? Because like, if your life is pretty much you, and he's like, no one, I did this. 
Like everything that I have, I earned. That's kind of the mentality of an unbeliever, but the mindset of the Spirit says, oh, it's not, it's, all, it's not all me, it's all Christ in me. It's, it's a life of thankfulness. You know you're walking in the Spirit when you're thankful. Life is a journey, but it's all about how you walk on the journey. So the question is, how are you walking? In your own strength or in the Spirit? Some of you guys are coming to, you're starting a new journey here at Iowa City. And your life here is going to be filled with all kinds of challenges. Maybe it's going to be the party culture. You're going to find those feet of yours walking down to the Ped Mall on Friday night. What friends will you go there with? Some of you, it might be a difficult lab partner. Some of you might be a difficult boss. Some of you might be sickness. But your supernaturally charged Yugo has everything that it needs to face anything because you have the Holy Spirit in you. And Paul ends in verse 11, he says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. That is a preview of the rest of the chapter. You don't want to miss the next few weeks in Romans 8 because we are going to get into this discussion on the glory that is to come. Your mortal body is going to die. Your yugo is going to rust out, but it's okay because it's going to be brought back to life. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. The mindset of the flesh says, life is a journey, not a destination. But the mindset of the spirit is, life is a journey, and it's all about the destination. It is all about where we're going. It's about the glory that is to come. We don't think about this often enough. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about it. But I have to tell you that this story, in 1986, it marked the year of Yugomania. Leslie Pluhart had just gotten her new Yugo at 31 years old. She was excited to journey to Mackinac Island in Michigan. Some of you guys have been there. She came to a stop sign on the Mackinac Bridge, and she waited there because of the 50-mile-an-hour gales that were coming across the lake. Her Yugo started to shake and tilt, and pretty soon a strong gust of wind came, and her car flew over the 36-inch railing and went flying into the lake. The Yupers, I guess the people who live in Lower Peninsula, Michigan, 
in their characteristic sensitivity, renamed the Yugo the Mackinac Flyer. Leslie Pluhar was on the journey, and she flew away. And guess what? So will you. So will I. And I love that hymn. It made me think of the hymn, All Fly Away. All fly away, oh glory. All fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. All fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Just a few more weary days, then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. This is great news that you're driving a Yugo with the Spirit of God in you because this is not all there is. Glory is coming. Stick around over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about this more. But I want to pray with us this morning. Pray with you. Jesus, this morning we, we feel in our bodies the, the aches and pains of this life. And there are people that are going through some really hard things this morning. And they're feeling the winds blowing. And our bodies, they, they shake sometimes with fear, anxiety, worry. But Jesus, we thank you for giving us your spirit in us. Bring great encouragement to your people this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. I invite you to turn your attention to the screens.